Lord, thanks for today. Lord, thanks for your faithfulness, your goodness, your mercy. And Lord, as we gather, remind us of all that you have given to us. And as we've already been said, you never fail us or forsake us. Lord, thanks that you walk with us every step of our life, even unto eternity. Lord, we give you the thanks and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Mark Larson. I'm one of the retired pastors in the congregation. In the past couple of uh, months, I've had the privilege of working with uh, eight or so other people on the small component version of uh, God's story. And this morning, Pastor Dave asked me if I'd bring this particular message in God's story. We've been walking through the the different messages from uh, creation, the garden, Noah, the Tower of Babel. And this morning, we get to a person named Abram. And what we're going to hear this morning is the beginning of God's great salvation story. So as we look at this passage, we we go back to the beginning, a story that will move throughout history with God's great message of salvation and finally end up in McMinnville, an amazing message that goes all around the world. If you're like me, you enjoy looking at things and kind of wondering, I wonder where this all started. One of the things I I, I never get tired of looking at driving down I-84 is the Columbia River. I mean, it is just so big, so much water, and begin to realize how how far that river goes and starts up in Canada and Columbia Lake, has these great tributaries, the Snake River, and my personal favorite, the Deschutes, a place where I love to chase fish, not catch fish, but chase fish. So you see how it kind of winds through all that place, and then you see that huge river. This morning, we're going to go back to the beginning of God's salvation story and how it began. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Genesis 12, and I'm going to read for you this morning the first four verses. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people. And your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Interesting that God's great salvation story begins with a name, Abram. Begins with a person, and God calls him by name, Abram. Names are important. Names are a part of who we are. It's our identity, how we're known. A couple's going to have a baby, and what's the first thing you ask them? Have you picked out a name yet? Remember when kids used to go to school? 
They'd come back from school and they'd say, I know my teacher's name. And then the big day would come and they'd say, my teacher knows my name. Names are a big deal. They're important. They're a part of who we are. I've got a granddaughter whose name is Ava, spelled E-V-A. Do not call her Eva. She has a friend whose name is Eva, spelled E-V-A. Do not call her Ava. For if you call Eva, Ava, or Ava, Eva, they'll both look at you and say, you don't know who I am. God's great salvation story begins with a name, Abram. God cares about this person. He will even change his name. A couple of chapters down, God says, Abram, I'm going to change your name to Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many. So this person, Abram, knows that God knows his name. God knows my name. I am not forgotten. An important part of our life is understanding how God cares for us and comes to us and loves us and cares for us. And that's the way the salvation story begins to be played out over time. It's one person, one name, hears God's great story and enters into a relationship with Jesus Christ and their name is changed forever into being in his book of life. So it begins with the name Abram. Names are important. I realized how important names were about 13 years ago. I always knew how important names were, but it really hit home to me about 13 years ago. Because 13 years ago, as a retired pastor, I was also, all along the way of being a pastor, also an Army Reserve chaplain. Well, 13 years ago, I deployed with the Army to Iraq with the 411th Engineers. I was gone for home for about 16 months. About 10 months through my tour, I received a leave, which was good news. Two weeks. I've been gone 10 months. I get to go home for two weeks. This is good news. So I told my wife, um, my leave starts this day, but don't necessarily plan on me being there that day because I'm living on the Tigris River, and it's going to take me a while to matriculate through all of the military transportation methods, finally arrive in the United States where I can get a commercial airline and then come home. So I said, when I get to the United States, I'll call. I'll call. So my leave started. It takes me about two and a half days to finally arrive in the United States. We land at Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, and when we get there, they're giving us tickets to go home, and somebody yells at me, Chaplain, come with me. We got you on an earlier flight, and the flight is waiting for you. We need to run and catch it. So we're running through the airport. We get to the top of this escalator. And I said, I've got to, I have to call my wife and let her know where I am and when I'll be there. He says, okay, so he hands me a cell phone. And I look at that cell phone and I say, this is really cool. 
I haven't handled one of these in so long. I wonder if I can remember how it works. But I did dial the number correctly, got a hold of Mary, and uh, told her what flight I was on, when I'd be home. And then she said, there's something you need to know before you get here. And I'm thinking, what is it that's been going on for the 10 months I've been gone that I'm going to find out today? And then she tells me, a couple days ago, Keith, our grandson, who at that point was a second grader, comes to Mary and he says, Grandma, when Grandpa comes home, will he remember my name? And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Will Grandpa remember my name? I said, okay, I got it, got it. So we continue running through the airport. I get on the plane and I get on the plane and the people aren't mad at me that they've been waiting. They actually, they clapped. You ever clap for people that kept you waiting on an airplane? Well, it happened that day. So they clapped for me. And you can imagine how happy those two people were when I got the center seat between two people and I've been in the same uniform for about two and a half days and been running through the <laughs> Dallas-Fort Worth airport. They're just thinking, this is my lucky day. I get to sit by a sweaty soldier. So anyway, we arrive, we get home, and uh, Mary's there with some of the grandkids. They're jumping up and down, yay, yay, yay. But Keith is standing next. He's kind of standing there, but you know how kids, when they're not sure, they kind of lean into you? They kind of grab a hold of your leg. Well, that's what Keith is doing to Mary. He's kind of leaning into her and standing, and I'm grabbing all the other kids and saying their name. And finally I say, Keith, come here, man. And I pick him up, and I hold him, and I rock him like this, and I start tickling him, and he starts going, oh, 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 and everything's okay. Grandpa remembers my name. Puts my hat on, another kid takes my backpack, and we're just happy campers leaving that airport that day. Because we know each other. We love each other. As God begins this story, he wants us to understand that that's how he works. Name by name, Abraham, I know your name. You are not forgotten. That's how the story begins, with a name. And then it goes to a place. Because God's going to come to Abraham and he's going to ask him something about that place. And it's important that to know that God not only knows our name, but God also knows where we are and we're not lost. We aren't lost. God knows where we are. You see, if you know somebody's name, but you don't know where they are, it doesn't do you any good. You ever bump into somebody and you said, hey, and you say their name, great to see you. Where have you been? If you had to get a hold of them, you wouldn't have been able to do that because you didn't know where they were. So God comes to Abraham and he says, I know your name and I know your place. You aren't lost. It's not like our cell phones. You know, our cell phones have that little routes map that you follow along on when you're driving around or you've got your navigation device in your car. And you're going along and your little navigation buddy, whatever you name that person in your phone, 
And my phone is Lola. So Lola's, Lola's talking to me. And uh, we're going along. Everything's fine. Turn here, turn there, go here, do that. And all of a sudden, Lola goes quiet. I must have offended her. And then all of a sudden, this little message comes up on the screen. No service. Sometimes we think that's the way that God operates. I know your name, but a time's going to come when there's no service. You see, God comes to Abram. He says his name. And then he says this to him. Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Go to the land I will show you. You see, God knows our name. He knows the place where we are. We aren't lost. And then he asks us to trust him. Will you trust me with the place that you're at? Will you trust me where you are right now? And the place where Abram is right now, interestingly enough, where God knows where he's at, isn't the place where he's usually at. See, God, if you look at the previous chapter, you see that Abram had left a place called Ur of the Chaldees. Has anybody ever been to Ur of the Chaldees? Probably not. It's in southern Iraq. So he'd left southern Iraq with his family, traveled up the Euphrates River. Travel up the Euphrates River. You get to Syria. Keep going. You go through Syria. Keep going. You get to Turkey, and then you finally arrive in Haran. It's about 600 miles. So Abram isn't even really where he usually is. Now he's in this place called Haran. And God comes to him and he says, I know where you're at. You aren't forgotten. You're not lost. And now will you trust me with the place you're at? Because what I want you to trust me with is I want you to leave this place and go to another place where my plan will be to create a nation. Will you trust me? That's what God asks us. He calls us by name. I know where you're at. Now will you trust me with the place you're at? And the place you're at is always changing. It's always moving. But God comes to us each day and he says, will you trust me with this place? I know where you're at. You aren't lost. You ever prayed, wondered if God was hearing you? When I was a, uh, going to seminary, we had a process in going through seminary, which was three years long where you went to school for two years, and then they sent you out on a year of internship. Then you came back for your last year. The purpose of internship was to show you that you don't know everything. Because I'd been to school for two years, and we figured, okay, we've been to, been to seminary for two years. We know everything that, that has gone on, that the church has done right and wrong since the book of Acts. So we've got it right. Then you go out for a year of internship and you realize you really don't know anything. So then you go back to your last year and you try to learn a whole bunch. Well, the place they sent me on internship was a place called Cedar Creek, Michigan. Western Michigan, just a little place. Matter of fact, the church that I went to go and serve and be the pastor, if we had 50 people, we'd have to bring in chairs to set up. I mean, it's, it's not a big place. Little white chapel in the woods. There's woods all around us, all around us woods. 
Matter of fact, there's not even any town of Cedar Creek. Cedar Creek makes Amity look like New York City. So Cedar Creek, does, it, doesn't have, it doesn't have a grocery store, it doesn't have a gas station, it doesn't have anything. It just has this one building where people got together and met for something. I don't know what. So here I am in Cedar Creek. Been through two years of school, but I have a problem. I have a problem. I have to go back for the last year of school. And the problem is, my first two years of school were primarily my source of income because I had been a a young GI was the GI Bill. And my GI Bill had run out in my first two years of seminary. So now I'm on internship, enjoying it, but I have no idea how I'm going to pay for that last year. So you pray. God, will you meet me in this place? Went out to the mailbox one day, and I saw a newspaper. We just called it a once-in-a-while newspaper because it wasn't daily, it wasn't weekly, it was just once in a while. And I don't even, I don't even know who printed it. I don't know where it came from, but once in a while it showed up. And it would have stuff in there like, this place is having a corn cob feed and a few other things are going on. So I look in, in our once-in-a-while newspaper, and... On the, on the back page, there's a, there's a little article, because they had a few national pieces of news, a little article. I look at that article, and it says, the VA, Veterans Administration, just announced that they feel like veterans are not able to finish school in the time that they had given us on that GI Bill. They're going to add nine more months. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you let me read this once in a while newspaper, look on the back page, see this tiny little thing, and I'm going to be able to eat. And we've got three kids by that time. I've discovered that they all like to eat too. So we're going to go back and we're going to eat. And God's blessings just are so good. You can just say, thank you, Jesus, you met me in this place. And, and it, it continued to go. When we finally left that place, packed all our, our few little goods up in our U-Haul trailer and got ready to leave, and these people brought us boxes of canned goods, fruit and vegetables. We didn't have to buy fruit and vegetables for the whole next year. So not only did he meet our needs through this source of income, but through people who just gave. You see, that's the God we serve. I know your name. I know your name. I know your name. You aren't forgotten. I know where you are. You're not lost. I know where you are. Now trust me this day. And then God pours out his heart and lets us know that he really wants for each one of us is to bless us. Listen to this passage again. He says to Abram, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. God wants 
to bless us. Isn't that good news? He's not out to get us. God wants to bless us. And that's what he'll do for Abram. He'll take him to this this place called Canaan. And in this place, Abram will have a son, Isaac. Isaac will have a son, Jacob. Jacob will have 12 sons. They'll eventually end up in Egypt. And 400 years later, they'll, they'll come back. Moses will lead them out. Joshua will lead them in. And they'll be a nation in the place that God promised Abram. And people will always look to Abram as the patriarch of this nation that is now Israel. But this nation is a nation that not only will be the promise and the blessing of Abram, it will also be the blessing to all the rest of us too. For from this nation, a Savior will come. Matter of fact, two months from today is what? Christmas. So imagine you're at Christmas right now. The great Christmas message comes from this nation. Two months from today, you're going to hear the Christmas announcement that an angel will come to some shepherds that are out in the field and says, I bring you great tidings of great joy, which shall be for the same thing they said to Abram, all the people, all the people, all the people. For today, in the city of David, a Savior is born. So the blessing, the blessing to Abram, which is a nation, the blessing to us, that from this nation comes a Savior, a Savior, Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes to the Galatians and he explains it this way. Galatians 3, verse 6. Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abram. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. God's blessing to us. The Christmas gift. Abraham, Abram, I want you to know that God wants to bless you, and he wants to bless us with this great gift. One name, one person at a time, to be at that point of faith to trust him, and to believe in this message that a Savior is born and your life is changed. In the third chapter of the Gospel of John, a person comes to visit Jesus, whose name is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes and he's got some questions about who you are and what's going on. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. The Son of Man must be lifted up. Nicodemus, you need to understand that a gift has come that you need to grasp a hold of. And then probably the best known Bible verses in the Bible are John 3, 16 and 17. Jesus tells 
Nicodemus this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world, save the world, the Savior to save the world through him and to bring to us that great gift of forgiveness and eternal, eternal Just hang on to that for just a second. Eternal life. We get to enjoy a lot of good things in life. House, career, car, whatever it might be that you enjoy. We get to enjoy it. That's good. God gives us things to enjoy and to use. But you can put a big stamp on all of these things and that big stamp is temporary, temporary. For someday, the house won't be yours. Someday, the the vehicle may not start, but someday, everything is temporary. But the gift that God gives to us is eternal. Just think about that, eternal, eternity. In God's message, the only place that you can share the word forever is in terms of Jesus Christ. I've been with uh, many people when they have been at that point when they are taking their last few breaths with my parents, parishioners, soldiers, And as you know that they know Jesus Christ as their Savior, when that moment comes that they've taken their last breath, you get to say with great conviction and thanksgiving, they are with the Lord now. Now, they are in eternity with their Savior. And we're so thankful for this message that began with Abram so long ago at a place so far away that Abram heard his name and in the place that he was, he trusted God and let God take him to this new land where a nation would come and a savior would come to us. Abram is a blessing to us as well as being the father of this nation. And there's one other thing that I think is important for us to see in this passage of Scripture back in Genesis 3. For when all, everything has been said to Abram, these words are important. Genesis 12.4. So Abram left. He did it. He did what God asked him to do. As the Lord had told him. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. They went. They did what God told them to do. You heard Ashley a while ago say one of the things that we learn about in the church is to play a role, to play a role. Abram played a role. He played a role. And isn't it amazing how God gives each one of us the opportunity to play a role, to be involved, so to speak, to be on the field, A few years ago, watching a 
wildcat football game. And I was sitting with my dad. We're watching my son play. And we're cheering, because we're going to beat PLU, which is always a good thing, right? Amen. <laughs> or whoever they're playing, we're just glad they beat them in, in a nice way. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll pray for them later. <laughs> so we're watching the game, and we're excited, and we're cheering. My dad leans over to me, and he says, you know, son, I'd rather be playing I'd rather be on the field. This guy that played back in the leather helmet era is sitting with his son who played in the plastic helmet era that wasn't much of a plastic helmet. Watching a grandson playing, he still has it. He says, you know, I'd rather be on the field. We both know that they don't have enough medical facilities or tape Life flight's not available for us to get on the field. But that's where we want to be. Nobody joins a team and says, I'd like to be a spectator. God doesn't call us to be spectators. He calls us to play a role, to be on the field, to be involved, which I think is an amazing thing because God has this eternal message. It's eternal. It's forever. It's the most important thing you could pass along. And he gives it to us to share. But that's what God wants. So Abram left Haran, just as God told him to do. He went to this place called Canaan. And the story begins to unfold from there that eventually gets to us we celebrate our Savior, Jesus Christ. As we close this morning, I'd like to pray with you, and I don't know where you are. Maybe you're here this morning, and you just need to hear God say, I know your name. You aren't forgotten. Maybe you just want to, so to speak, kind of just soak that in. Maybe you're here this morning and there's a particular place that God knows where you're at and that place you just want to lift up to God. God, I'm just lifting it up to you. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I am giving you this place. Maybe you're here this morning and you've heard the message of salvation and you just want to bow your head like I did when I got that newspaper and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I know that when my years are done, I'm going to be with you forever. Or maybe you're here and you've never made that decision. And as we pray, we give you the opportunity to say yes to God. Maybe you're here that you're wondering about a role that you could play and you want to lay that out to God. God, how can I do something for you? So we're going to pray, and I'll give you the first few minutes just to come to the Lord yourself in prayer. And then I want to pray for you. Let's pray.
Lord, I thank you for how you come to each one of us by name. Meet us where we're at. Love us unconditionally. Lord, I just want to thank you that I know that when these years for me are done, I'll be with you. I just want to say thank you. If somebody is here today and they have never said yes to you, to very simply pray, Jesus, thanks for knowing me. Thank you for coming to me with the gift of salvation and forgiveness. Lord, I accept that great gift. And I thank you that forever, now I too will be with you. Lord, thanks for the roles you give each one of us to play with a message that's beyond compare, precious in all respects. Lord, help us as we, in our fumbling way, take this great message into our world. We give you thanks. As always, in Jesus' name, who loves us, who meets us, who saves us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.